0: Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, Just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. Um, okay, we're gonna do something very important today, I think, which is to take some uh, serious consideration of the figure of Ishmael in the Torah. It's very important uh, for f- to, to think about Ishmael for lots of reasons. I mean, some of them are just that Ishmael was Abraham and Abraham's son and, and is a major figure in these parshot that we've been reading lately last week and this week um and Isha- Ishmael and his mother Hagar are prominent characters they play a major role they get a lot of attention um and significantly as we'll see today they are in um they're in some kind of communication and connection with God okay that's that's first first thing then of course I- Ishmael is an interesting figure because he is recognized by our tradition and Christian tradition and Islamic tradition as being the progenitor of, um, of of the uh, of, of Muslims. Muslims see Ishmael as their ancestor in the way that we see Isaac as our ancestor. and we all agree on that. We have lots of disagreements and their stories of Ishmael are, are are parallel in some ways but but different than ours. but all, all agree that Ishmael is um, the, 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 fa- the 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 father of nations that will that will that will eventually lead to uh, Muhammad. So Ishmael's a pretty significant figure to think about to reflect on in as much as, our narrative is 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 shared by a, a, another people's narrative and and is different, but but forces us to consider how we are all coming from the same place. And then of course, you know, <laughs> um, and, and I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go here in this class, but I want to, it, surely it's in it's in the back of our consciousness that part of the reason that it's important to reconsider our relationship with Ishmael, is because at this moment in history, um, Jews and Muslims are often at odds and in tension, have and have, an, have a, a relationship of animosity. That's not always been the case. It's certainly sometimes been the case, and it is um, in in many regions of the world uh, still the case, and 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 not always. But I I, I want us to look at Ishmael today not to solve any of those problems that uh, that I don't I don't think we can do and I'm not particularly politically insightful anyway but because it is very important for us as 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 either Jews or just students of the Torah to take serious account of what is the Torah saying about Ishmael what is the Torah's account of Ishmael there is a whole tradition of um of rabbinic commentary on Ishmael and it is sometimes favorable and often unfavorable, but what does the Torah say? That's our sacred text. What is the Torah's account of Ishmael? That's going to be our question uh, for today. So let's say a blessing and then we'll, we'll head, into, uh, head into our investigation. Blessing, just uh, hope that our Torah study brings greater understanding and peace in the world okay. so um let's let's begin here. Let me give you a source sheet and I want to do a little bit of it's important that we do a little bit of review. Where have we been? where what have we seen so far with Ishmael? And then uh, I especially I want to open the conversation up once we get to um the the the, the the end of our Parsha this week, which has a lot of Ishmael information, in fact, ends on Ishmael. But we've seen Ishmael before, so let's just take a review of who Ishmael is and what's been, what is the Torah, this is our primary question, what does the Torah seem to be saying about Ishmael, okay? So let's uh, let's take a look here, I'm going to put a source sheet into the chat. Yeah, someone's asking... Um, in the in the chat, is Ishmael considered the progenitor of Arabs or Muslims? And that's right. Like perhaps the progenitor of Arabs. I just want to be careful how I, I. I don't know well enough how to use the term, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to claim knowledge and speak to other people's traditions. But I know at least I, 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 as as a as a as a as a man of cloth, I know at least that Ishmael figures prominently in other religions and in ours. So that's what that's what I'm going to going to try only to deal with what I what i know and what i'm competent to deal with today um so let's take a look now i I will just give it away i'll give away our 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 ending and say that you know and i probably wouldn't be doing this i don't think it'd be um bringing any good to the world if my conclusion was that ishmael was just wicked that's not i'll just tell you that we're going to end on a on a very positive note because i think the torah has a remarkably positive, surprisingly positive, given you know maybe a history, you know histories and continuing histories of animosity. Ishmael has a surprisingly positive a treatment in the in the Torah. Um, I don't even know why it's a surprise. It's right there in black and white. But there are some tension points in the story of Ishmael and how Ishmael relates to um, the, the 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 family that we will claim. Um, that goes through Isaac instead. In fact, that's the main tension point is that Ishmael is Abraham's first son and should therefore be the inheritor of the covenant. But God and Sarah decide otherwise. And and Abraham significantly is, is stressed out by that. Well, we'll see that. Abraham says to, to when, when when God names Isaac the inheritor of the covenant, Abraham says, Um, um, Lou Ishmael well, but you don't. You don't need to do that. Let 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 Ishmael live before you. Okay, like we've already got. I'm good. I love Ishmael. I'm ready to go with it. All right, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's just to say we we know that Ishmael is in the mix. Um, and I just said we're going to we're going to take a look at what I think is overall a uh, uh, not just positive but it, but extremely um reverent picture of Israel of Ishmael that we're going to get in the Torah. But if there is a negative description of Ishmael. It is the first description of Ishmael. So let's take a look at that first. This this is often read as a kind of, um, as a kind of the Torah kind of insulting Ishmael, even as it introduces him. So let's take a look at what what the Torah actually says here. So the first um, that we hear of Ishmael is when um, uh, Abraham has, has uh, Abraham and Hagar have conceived a child. Um, he hasn't yet been born, but, uh, but then, then there's tension in the family because Sarah, whose idea this had been that Abraham sleep with, um, with her maidservant Hagar, Sarah and Hagar now start to have tension between them and eventually, um, and Sarah, we read, treats her harshly. Eventually, um, Hagar flees into the desert and an angel of God comes and speaks to her. So, you know, we might do a class just on Hagar and how significant Hagar is. And that's that's true too. Hagar is a prophetess. She is speaking to God. Um, but um, we're going to focus on Ishmael. And here's where the name comes from. The angel of the eternal said to her, uh, further, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, right? There's that Moby Dick line. You shall call him Ishmael. For the eternal has heard your suffering. And that is the meaning of the name Ishmael. God will hear, Ishmael. You can see these three letters here are the same three letters as the word for hear, like Shema Yisrael. So you should call him Ishmael, God will hear because the eternal has heard your suffering. Now this is the part that um, it's a little hard to translate. So I've actually, I, I translated it purposely awkward. He shall be a wild donkey person. He shall be a wild donkey person. That is usually translated as he shall be a wild ass of a man, wild ass of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell alongside his brothers. Okay, so three things that we hear about Ishmael there. Uh, He shall be a, a, a wild donkey, pere adam. And that's a reference to a specific kind of animal, uh, like a a burro, right? A wild, uh, uh, a wild, not a not a bred donkey, but a but a wild donkey. His hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. So both of those things sound quite negative. And he shall dwell alongside all of his brothers. That doesn't sound negative at all. He shall dwell alongside all of his brothers. Okay. And so Hagar calls out to the name of the eternal who had spoken to her, you are El-Roi, the God who sees. For she said, I have gone gone on seeing, I have gone on living after having been seen by God. And therefore she, she the well was called ber lechai the well of the one who lives and sees. She named this well ber it it is between Kadesh and Bered. Okay, so s- some part of our account of Ishmael, uh, is is fashioned by and has to deal with these early descriptions which do sound there's something a little you just did you just call him a donkey but then again as uh, a wild ass of a man it sounds even worse in english because we have the the slur ass right which uh, which you know is like donkey but now is like a, a slur okay let's hold that for a second um, and just think about his hand shall be against everyone and, and everyone's hand shall be against him, which is also a strange phrasing. And it seems to mean there's going to be some conflict or tension between Ishmael and all the people around him. Or will he be stealing things from them and they'll be stealing things from him? It's like, it doesn't make a sense. And let me just say, it also doesn't make sense that the angel of God is telling Hagar that God will give her a child and then just says some, some unpleasant things about the child. It's like, doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. I want to acknowledge that it's there, but I want to give you one interpretation that I came across that I think actually is quite strong that we want to keep as a, uh, this is usually translated this way. His hand shall be against everyone and everyone's hand shall be against him. But take a look at this, this article from um, Yaira Amit, um, Ishmael, king of the Arabs. And she, uh, first of all, I can give you the article. Let me, let me give you the article. Well, I'll give it to you after. But here's what she says. Moreover, I am convinced that the summary statements about Ishmael, which are often translated negatively, are actually positive in nature. In Genesis 16, Hagar is told, he shall be a wild ass of a man with his hand, his hand with everyone and everyone's hand with him. And shall will dwell over all of his king, kinsmen. This means that Israel would be free would engage in commercial ties with his surroundings and would enjoy advantages in comparison with other nomads. Now, again, not hand against everyone, but his hand with everyone and everyone's hand with him. Like in other words, he would be trading with people all around him. And a a donkey is a a trader, is a carrier of, of goods from one place to another. So this reading is just that Ishmael will be a nomadic kind of chieftain of the region and will deal with all of the tribes around them and in fact live with all of the tribes around them. I find that to be a very convincing read in part because we see Ishmaelites later in the Torah and they are in fact dealing in trade. They are the people who transport Joseph down to Egypt. Okay? So this is that's that's point one, and we can read it negatively or i I think there's a possibility to read it positively. But it is the it is it is it is one of the descriptions of Ishmael that we get, and we have to contend with it. All right. Let's push forward a little bit and 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 finish out the picture of Ishmael that we have before we get to this week's Parsha. Um and many of you know that, one of the other great tension points, so now was Ishmael just described negatively or was it a description of Ishmael the traitor, the merchant of the region? And then one of the other um, tension points that we have to address is not only did Sarah uh, and Hagar have tension when Hagar was pregnant, but once Sarah became pregnant and Sarah conceived and Sarah gave birth, there was something that happened between Ishmael and little Isaac that that broke the family, that threw Sarah into a rage, and this is a famous scene that um, I, I have taught before, we have learned before, we could spend our entire hour on, but we're just using it as background information today, that Sarah saw the son whom Hagar, had, the Egyptian, had born to Avram playing around. It's funny language there, mitzachek, mitzachek, playing around, and she said to Abraham, cast that slave woman and her son, uh, uh, cast out that slave woman and her son for the son of that slave shall not in- share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. And Hagar and Ishmael are driven into the desert, presumably to die. And Abraham is not happy about this. The matter distressed Abraham greatly for it concerned his son. So we said this before, Abraham is, is not happy. Abraham is anxious about the about Ishmael being driven out. Okay? All right, Um, I see a hand already. Do you want to clarify something for us, Richard? I don't hear you, Richard.
1: I've always wondered about that particular verse. Supposedly this happened at uh, the bris for uh, Yitzchak, and um, Ishmael was fooling around with him, teasing him, harassing him, molesting Mm. him. You know, something that Sarah reacted, absolutely, you know, absolutely uh, reacted to.
0: Okay, let me, let me use Richard's comments. It's so nice to learn with Richard uh, now again online, but but just was able to learn with Richard in person, just took a trip to Vegas and um, did a little book talk there. Thank you for having me, Richard. Richard was a, was a grand host. And, um, um, let me let me use this as an opportunity to uh to promote my book, which uh there's a link to right there, my book which is out, both because um the the essay in the book on Parshat Bayera deals with Richard's question exactly. What's going on with Ishmael playing around with the baby? And I will just tell you there that um my uh I I'm gonna say this this is a kind of like a I think a big Hiddish, but I, I'm just going to say it in passing today, but read the book if you want more, that this scene that um, that uh, Richard's always been perplexed by has uh, uh, Ishmael playing around with Isaac, but if you look at the language for playing around, Mitzachek, it's the same language as the name Isaac, Yitzchak. So, what I what I claimed in the book is that Ishmael is sort of Isaacing. He's trying to be to to take Isaac's place, become Isaac, inherit like Isaac, and therefore Sarah is is angry about it. But that's that's you'll you'll see that if you read that in the book. But I think that's one way of understanding some of the tension here. It's not clear what he was doing, but the rabbis think he must have been doing something bad because Sarah has such a strong reaction. Okay, so uh, we'll leave Richard's question there for now, but it's a good one. And, um, and uh, we'll move forward. So one more piece of kind of background information before we turn to this week's Parsha, which is that after um uh, the the Ishmael is driven out with Hagar, once again, they're in the desert, this time, a mother and her infant child. And at this point, um, Hagar fears, this is it, they're gonna die, they're gonna die, and Ishmael starts crying, and Hagar is it, Hagar actually leaves him aside, she doesn't wanna see him die, and so she backs away a little bit, and then all of a sudden, the angel of God comes back, and remember, Ishmael was named Ishmael because God heard Ishmael's, uh, sorry, God heard Hagar's uh, uh, cries, this time God hears Ishmael's cries, OK, so God will hear Well, God did in he, indeed hear. And God heard the cry of the boy and an angel of God called the Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the cry of the boy where he is. So that's an interesting. Right. When does God hear the cries of, of people? Egypt, you know, like the Exodus. And, and 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 this and this small moment of God hearing Ishmael cry. So just just take note of that, that God hears Ishmael, listens to Ishmael, and then there's more. God says, come lift up the boy and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. I will make a great nation of him. And that, you know, I, but that happened, right? That, that, that Our understand, traditional understanding of this verse is that God is, pro- is, is, is offering us a prophecy of what will be, and indeed, Ishmael became a great nation. But one more thing uh, 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 that we hear about Ishmael there is that um, God opened her eyes, she saw a well of water, she went and filled the skin with water and let the boy drink, and God was with the boy. This is very strong language. Vayi Elohim etanar, God was with the boy, and he grew up, he dwelt in the wilderness and became skilled with a bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him in the land of Egypt. Okay. All right. God was with the boy. Now just, uh, just like before we, before the, that's all been background, but just like what sense are we getting of Ishmael so far? I just want us to think about that. We'll make a great nation of him. God, he, God hears him. Abraham expects him to be the inheritor and God is with him. God is with him. I mean, you don't just say that about anybody. In fact, and this is, this is an interesting connection that we won't pursue today, but I want us to be aware of it because this is also part of what Ishmael's doing in the Torah. Who else is God with famously? Anyone know? There's another famous God was with him phrasing in our Torah. Anyone know? Noah. Oh, not Noah. Noah. Oh, no. What? Joseph. No. They walked with God. They walked with God. Oh, I heard it. Joseph. Okay. Joseph. Rebecca. Joseph. God was with Joseph. And look at the language here. It's very, very, it's strikingly similar. Vahi Adonai et Yosef. Adonai was with Joseph, different name for God, interestingly, right? The covenantal name for God, as opposed to just the general name for God. But the same phrasing, God was with Joseph and he was a successful man, and he stayed in the house of his. Where was Joseph? In Egypt. Right? So part of uh, there's a there's a like a little teaser of a of a another story we can pursue, which is the Egyptian, the origins of our relationship with Egypt. Remember, Hagar was Egyptian. Ishmael was, was Egyptian, married an Egyptian woman, and God was with him in the same way that Joseph, who will later go down to Egypt and be saved and marry an Egyptian woman. So there's like a parallel there. And Ishmael, in a way, is creating a kind of template that Joseph will, 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 will twist and follow in a different way. Okay. But all of that we, uh, today I mean as just background, okay, just background. And I could stop right now and say, so, what is the Torah's account of Ishmael? What do you think of Ishmael? And I will soon do that, but it's it uh, it's a it's it's a little it's a little speculative. We have some great things coming we have we have some tensions. It really isn't until this week's Parsha that we suddenly get a kind of a a return to ishmael and a surprising return to ishmael and it seems like by the end of the parsha a true a true kind of incorporation of ishmael back into the story because we ishmael played the role that we've been documenting ishmael is a significant figure but at that point That last thing we saw in Ishmael, God was with Ishmael and he married an Egyptian woman and goodbye. That's it. That should be it. As a a matter of narrative, we expect Ishmael to fade into the background, okay? Okay, now we're ready to take a look at the return of Ishmael because Ishmael returns in this week's Parsha in a rather surprising moment. Mm, Maybe not so surprising, but surprising that that he's back. So let's take a look. Okay, this is the end of this week's parsha. This week's parsha has spent most of its time dealing with um, the journey to go and try and find a wife for 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 Isaac. Sarah has uh, has died at the beginning of the parsha, and Aram, and Abraham finds a plot for her to be buried and then goes and and turns his attention to finding a wife for Isaac, okay? And then at the end of the parsha, it's like Abraham is old and this is the the final days of Abraham's life. So let's take a look. Abraham took another wife, which is always surprising, but there he did. Took another wife whose name was Keturah, okay? And she bore him, Abraham had more sons. She bore him Zimran and Yokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shuach and Yokshan begat Sheva and, and, uh, and Dadan. And the descendants of Dadan were the Asherim, the Letushim, the Lu'amim, descendants of, we don't need all of this, descendants of Midian were Epha, Efner, Efer, Enoch, Abida, Elda. all these were descendants of Keturah, fine. Abraham willed all that he owned to Isaac, but to Abraham's sons by concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living and he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. We did an episode on, of this story of the other children of Abraham on Best Book Ever, the podcast, so you can find that there. But um, it seems like, what do we have here? We have Isaac and a bunch of other new children, and Abraham's kind of like distinguishing between Isaac and these new children who receive some inheritance, but it will be Isaac that will be the inheritor. Okay, fine. Some new children. Okay, then this was the total span of Abraham's life, 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last, dying at a good ripe age, old and contented, and was gathered to his kin. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, son of Zoar, the Hittite, facing Mamre, the field that Abraham had bought for the Hittites. There Abraham was buried and Sarah, his wife. Okay. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Ishmael is back. Ishmael is back. He's there to help bury his father. Right. Now, I'm going to ask a little bit of a, a loose question at this point because you've got a lot of information. So I'm going to ask you to, to try and hypothesize what is the relationship between Ishmael and Abraham and Isaac now that they now that we see that Ishmael's back back to bury his father what is the Torah just just a little clue there we had a huge story of Ishmael and then Ishmael was gone and suddenly Ishmael's back to bury his father so first let's just start by interpreting that that verse what does that mean that Ishmael suddenly returns when Abraham has died let's think about that first for a minute great Great, great, great. So that's um, that's an important and 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 uh, thing that you just did for us, Matt, and so beautifully, which is to we we hinted a little bit at the kind of the parallel between Ishmael the Egyptian and Joseph the Egyptian, right? And the 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 and the stories, those two stories also are parallel. Brothers fighting, brothers' intention who eventually, at the end of their lives, come back together again, just in time to be together when their father dies, okay? And if that's true, then there's a little seed here, just a little hint that we don't often think of, of Isaac and Ishmael performing the same kind of reconciliation and resolution that eventually Joseph and his brothers will do, okay? Jacob and Esau never do that. Right. So we think, oh, it's not until Joseph and his brothers that we finally learn the lesson of sibling rivalry is there from the start, from Cain and Abel. And we often read the Torah to say sibling rivalry is a big theme in Genesis. You know, and, and, and eventually Joseph figures out how to, Joseph and Judah figure out how to, how to, how to bring, bring, bring brothers together. But maybe, it, maybe Ishmael and Isaac already figured it out. And more than that, more than that, it's Isaac who goes to Ber So maybe part of what we're supposed to understand from this fragment of a story is that Isaac made the overture. Isaac reached out to Ishmael. Isaac said, "Brother, brother, come back home. Our father is old, and he wants to see you." Okay. That's really, that's something really to consider. What does the Torah want us thinking about Ishmael? How does the Torah want us to relate to Ishmael? Who is Ishmael to us? I call this class Ishmael our brother. And that's, that, that's, the, that's probably the best name for him. If, 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 if Abraham is our father, then Ishmael is our brother. Right? We, saw, we often talk about Muslims today as our cousins and that's true there's a relationship but they're cousins because there was once brothers right okay so this that's this is an important it's just a fragment but it allows us to reconsider what our what the Torah suggests our our ongoing relationship to Ishmael would be soon we'll we'll consider more but let's let's hear from Allison Goldman
1: hey so um yeah I, I find this such a compelling way of thinking about it about like Isaac going to find Ishmael and potentially bringing back Hagar because I think what Matt was saying is true like it's this nice deviation from the conflict that we see between brothers in the Torah but what I think is like especially beautiful I guess about this sort of reconciliation that we're seeing is that it kind of signals that like we don't have to we don't always have to hold grudges like from generation to generation that like there was a conflict that happened before but it was sort of like a previous generation like it's not clear that the that the conflict was ever really between Ishmael and Isaac the conflict seemed much more between Sarah and Hagar and once Sarah has passed Isaac seems to do this really beautiful kind of blending of still respecting his mother and I say that because he ultimately with Ishmael buries Abraham in the same cave where Sarah is buried that Abraham purchased for Sarah's burial and also is able to find this reconciliation you know like it would be beautiful if it was Hagar if Keturah was Hagar that Abraham that Isaac like brought back for his father you know because they did love each other it seems and like I don't know like that's just it's it's sweet you can also imagine I could imagine that like Isaac maybe also could have loved Hagar if Hagar was Sarah's maidservant that party for Isaac wasn't until Isaac was weaned So how old was he then? Maybe he was a toddler. Like, I don't know how long Sarah breastfed. Maybe a long time, right? Because she loved him so much. He was so wanted for so long. I don't know. He could have remembered Hagar. She could have been there for him when he was a child too, as well as his brother Ishmael. Mm. Um,
0: Okay. Um, That's all beautifully put. And I'm especially taken with your, um, with the kind of, the 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 lesson or the or the or the um, the the direction um, that that you're that you're that you're that you're uh, suggesting is, is possible here which is that um, this scene this sort of reconciliation all of the things that you were talking about of Hagar coming back but but significantly about Isaac and Ishmael coming together again has us the, Matt drew the parallel to all the sibling rivalry in the in the Torah. And one way to think about this is can brothers who are at odds uh, reconcile? That's the challenge. Will you hate your brothers and sisters or will you embrace them? But Alison suggests another uh, kind of takeaway, another kind of lesson here, which is that Maybe the Torah wants us to consider the ways in which one generation can repair the damage done in an earlier generation. That's quite profound, because the conflict here wasn't between Isaac and Ishmael necessarily. It was between Sarah and Hagar. It was between Isaac and Ishmael only in the sense that they were kind of pitted against one one another as inheritors. You know, both as the future fathers of great nations. You know, uh, with Abraham uncertain, which way should it go? I, 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 I love both my sons. In fact, I assume it should go to Ishmael. The damage, the conflict, the tension wasn't between Ishmael and Isaac. It was, it was in the earlier generation. So, what might it mean, the Torah? as 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 Allison is is narrating it for us what might it mean to think of your generation your your ability to love your brothers and sisters as a way of undoing the damage of the past of stopping the cycle of of animosity right that's quite interesting that's quite that's 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 quite a powerful way of thinking about the whole sibling rivalry narrative, that it doesn't, it's not just about what's happening in one ge- generation, but it's about thinking ab- about the ongoing family traumas and w- what point it stops. What point does it stop, right? And that's something we can bring into the rest of our our sibling rivalry readings, right? Because Jacob favors Joseph, which makes um, Joseph's brothers hate him, but Jacob favors Joseph just like Jacob's mother had favored him and it's on and on and on for generations and generations. So when they break that cycle, they're breaking something that's happening also before them. And that's that's important as well. That's really important as well. Um, Kathy Kobayashi.
1: Uh, yeah, I was um, uh, going to say, it also, to me, it gives a kind of an insight into the name of the Torah portion. Because, you know, usually people say, oh, it's called the life of Sarah. But of course, Sarah dies at the very beginning. So oh, it wasn't that kind of. Um, you know, just a a, a a sort of interesting contradiction, but in a way it's not a contradiction because this is all, not all, but one of the things that it's about is the legacy of Sarah and what happens to the legacy of Sarah and what happened, you know, how her life uh, shaped things. And I agree with Allison. yeah, that this is kind of like the reconciliation of of Sarah. It really, uh, well, or you know, Sarah's life, uh, and so uh, uh, anyway, I think that's a- comment. yeah, that's
0: an interesting way to think about the whole Parsha. Kathy um, is just like it's, it's, it's Sarah's. It's about Sarah's life, but it's also like it starts with Sarah's death, and as Cassie, Kathy is is framing it. It's now the whole Parsha becomes a, a way of how do we pick up the pieces after Sarah. Uh, in after Sarah's life, Sarah's life, which was difficult, miraculous, full of conflict. And uh, what do we do with all that? Where, do, how do we, how do we negotiate all of them, right? Uh, 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 as Allison was saying, the damage of the past, but also like the legacy of Sarah, who was, I mean, Sarah was fierce. She was a fierce woman, right? She had power in this family and she made the major decisions in the family often. And God Almighty told Abraham, listen to Sarah, right? So she had force and she had power and she drove these people out into the desert, but there's damage there. There's damage there. Maybe she couldn't help being trapped in in, in the, the tension of all of these parties, but there's there's damage there. Okay, Um. let's now, so we've done a great job now here teasing out and you have to tease out because here you see Isaac and Ishmael burying their father my goodness something's happened here but now let's like now let's bring it home because that's what our parsha does our parsha which mentions Ishmael there you might think just like a fragment what oh we're we're that's an intriguing fragment but all we have is that one line but then the torah con- or the parsha concludes with the whole last paragraph of the Parsha concludes with the generations of Ishmael, the Todot Ishmael. This is the line of Ishmael, son of Abraham, right? We just heard that they buried and then Ishmael gets this. This is the way our Parsha ends. This is the line of Ishmael, son of Abraham, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maid servant, bore to Abraham. I won't read all the names, but there's names of all the children. And now, let me just point out a few remarkable parallels here. These are the sons of Ishmael, by, uh, and these are their names by their villages and by their encampments, 12 chieftains of as many tribes. I mean, I, I don't have to ask you, almost, what, what does that remind you of, right? Jacob has 12 sons that become 12 tribes. Ishmael has 12 sons that become 12 tribes. 12 tribes. That is not a coincidence, okay? Okay. And this is the line of Ishmael, son of Abraham. the toldot Ishmael is the exact language that we will see. Look at this. This is like chapter chapter um, 25 here, 1 through 19. 1 through 18 takes us to the end of our Parsha. And then the next line, this is actually next week's Parsha, the toldot Yitzchak. And this is the line, and it actually should say, it should say, and this is the line, of Ishmael, son of Abraham, and just look at the parallel there, right? Oh, sorry, I I just, I made a mistake. This is the the line of Ishmael, son of Abraham, and this is the line of Isaac, son of Abraham. They're separated. There's a, this is a new Parsha, but just look, the the Torah means us to see them one after another as the descendants of Abraham. Has always meant that, the Torah is never shy about saying, Ishmael is Abraham's seed. Don't you worry. God says that to Abraham. God says that to Hagar again and again. Don't worry. Ishmael is going to be a major prominent figure, a great descendant of Abraham. There will be a great nation named of him. Now we learn he'll have two tribes, uh, sorry, 12 tribes. There's a real parallel here that's being like almost, almost, it, it, it's it's almost obvious, except that we we don't always take note of it because it's just bit tucked away at the end of the parsha, okay? So now you have a lot of of parallels here. Let's see if we can take two more comments before we close from Jen and Ariella. Yeah, that's 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 an important point. And, and we've sort of like we've 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 considered it, you know, just as we've like laid out the facts of the story. But Ar- Ariella is really underlining. That's you know, we've been talking about can you, as Allison suggested, undo the damages of the past? Um, can you, as Jen was just talking about, r- figure out what reconciliation means? But it is also true that sometimes these things can only happen once the the looming parental figure is no longer, once it really is a new generation, once Isaac and Ishmael have the opportunity. do their own negotiations as one day Joseph and 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 Judah will have the opportunity to do their own negotiations unclouded by the the shadow of the past and the favoritism of the past okay we're out of time let me just let me just point out one uh one more uh quick thing because we've actually seen a pattern of language all throughout and it's it's worth paying attention to what does the Torah Um, want us to think or to feel or to what is the relationship uh, um, with Abraham with Ishmael that the Torah wants to suggest let me just point out that the very first thing that we read about Ishmael was the very first thing was that he would dwell alongside all of his brothers okay he would dwell alongside all of his brothers well who is who are his brothers right Isaac now take a look at this take a look at this We're gonna go, we're all the way back down now here at our, uh, sorry, at our chapter 25, the end of our Parsha, Abraham took another wife, Isaac and Ishmael buried them together. And then this is the line of Ishmael and there were 12 chieftains and then they camped alongside all of their brothers. So once again, that mention that Ishmael resides right next to his brothers, right next to his brothers. And here's one we might've missed, but scroll back up for a second. After the death of Abraham, God blessed his son, Isaac, and Isaac settled near Ber Lachai Roi. What's Ber Lachai Roi? Again, the place where Hagar and, 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 and Ishmael are from, the place that they are associated with. Isaac settled near Ber Lachai Roi, why, why? Why does the Torah tell us he went there before Abraham died? And then he went back and settled there after Abraham died. Why? Because that's where his family is. He has no more family. His father has, has died. His mother has died. Who does he have left? Ishmael. That's what the Torah is telling us with the last line of this week's Parsha is that Ishmael dwelt alongside his brothers as God always said he would. And Isaac did too. They were together they had figured out some way to be together and you know we got to figure out some way to be together that's that's what the Torah, that's what, if nothing else that's what the Torah is telling us all right great learning with you all wishing you Shabbat Shalom we, will, thank not you. Have, we will not have class next week because it will be Thanksgiving and uh you know uh some of us I'm sure I, way, but I enjoy your Thanksgiving. yeah of course we would <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta I gotta have Thanksgiving too you know I have a family after I, I, Alright.
1: Thank, Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that's it a taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, And speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and and join our our circle of of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m., online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And, um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that, that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archived classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.